0: Welcome to Innovations of Health, a podcast that gives you the latest in healthcare trends and news. We'll be sharing advances in digital technology and breakthroughs in healthcare that eases people's way and provides a better healthcare future for all.
1: Welcome to our broadcast. I'm Tim Zirichny, Carrie Bartel Christensen, and I are co-hosts for this event. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for information purposes only. For medical questions, please reach out to your primary care or healthcare professional. Now, let's begin. Hi Carrie.
0: Hi Tim. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you today?
1: Excellent. You want to introduce yourself to our audience?
0: Please. Thank you. Um, Carrie Bartel Christensen. I'm Vice President of Real Estate Strategy and Operations uh, for Providence St. Joseph Health. And uh, that is the group that focuses on the built environment. So anything from real estate, uh, design, construction, facility engineering, environmental services, biomedical technologies, we really try to support the healthcare system and the needs of not only our uh, patients, but our employees, and make sure the built environment functions uh, for what we intend it to do. And uh, I focus mostly on the Oregon region and a little bit of Texas. And on the side, my side hustle is uh, working with uh, working with you a lot to think about housing and uh, what is our, uh, you know, what is our responsibility as a large provider of health to engage uh, in housing as we look at all of our different communities. So, Tim, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Why, yes. Thank you. Um, My name is Tim Zorichny. I'm the executive director of Providence Supportive Housing. Uh, Providence Supportive Housing in its current iteration has been around since 1985. We are currently 17 housing programs in Washington, Oregon, and California. We are affordable. Uh, Most of our units are subsidized, uh, primarily serving uh, low-income elderly, people with disabilities, and people uh, experiencing chronic homelessness. Um, we are uh, on a growth trajectory. To be honest, um, in addition to serving people with disabilities and seniors and people experiencing chronic homelessness, we're also uh, exploring, uh, developing, and operating workforce housing, which uh, gets us to the to the theme of today's conversation. Um, before we dive into the conversation about workforce, um, I think it's important to talk about uh, why we as a healthcare organization are Mm -hmm. talking about housing at all. Um, I know you like to hear me say, so I'll say it. Um, uh, Providence, uh, the Sisters of Providence were founded by uh, Emily Gamelin. Mm-hmm. In Montreal, in her first ministry in 1829, was the Little Yellow House. And she developed uh, permanent supportive housing uh, for the elderly and then established uh, houses of providence um, throughout the city of Montreal subsequently. Um, I like to say that Emily Gamelin knew in 1829 what we're just figuring out uh, today that uh, uh, housing is absolutely fundamental to health. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah.
0: I love it. And, and so it was, I think, in two thousand nineteen that Providence kicked off uh, kind of a strategic initiative that we call Housing is Health, and really started to tour, uh, you know, all of our different ministries and markets and understand the state of not only homelessness but housing instability. And so when we talk about housing instability, we mean people that are uh, rent burdened or housing burdened, meaning they're spending more of their income than uh, really they should to be able to afford, uh, you know, safe uh, housing. And uh, what we learned, I don't think would shock anybody, uh, that all across uh, the United States and the West Coast, uh, people are burdened uh, by housing and that the cost of housing has not kept up with our wages. It is outpaced. And so many of us could no longer uh, afford to rent a safe place for our families.
1: Right. The US Department of Housing and Urban Development has specific definitions for what that means to be either rent burdened or severely rent burdened. So, if you are spending uh 30% of your income on your on housing, you mm-hmm. are con- uh, 30% or more, uh you're considered to be um Rent burdened. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, dedicating fifty percent or more of your income towards housing, then you're considered to be severely housing burdened. And uh, ultimately, uh, we we define that we interpret that as being housing unstable. Mm-hmm. So uh, these are folks who, you know, uh, through loss of a job, an injury, the onset of disability, an accident. Uh, Yep. Could, could lose their, uh, could lose their housing easily. Yep. So, so that's important.
0: That is important. And, uh, that kind of brings us to the topic, uh, of today. Uh, you know, when we first really started to talk about housing, we, we focused on, uh, the, the poor and the vulnerable first, uh, Mm -hmm. to try to understand how we need to partner for, uh, homeless services. Um, and then as we began doing this we began kind of having this conversation uh around workforce housing and there's a lot of misconceptions out there about workforce housing and since it's the topic today maybe we could just start with uh what is it and what is it not
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you know uh, workforce housing is well it's affordable and it's affordable to working folks um And uh, again, it it is defined um, by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development as um, housing designed for uh, households uh, earning 60% uh, area median income up to 120% area median income, or AMI.
0: So, Tim... What is AMI? We, we say <laughs> that word a lot in the in the housing biz, but a lot of people don't really understand what that is.
1: We do. We do say that a lot, and it and it is how uh, especially the affordable housing industry thinks and focuses and around uh, questions of uh, preference for housing and eligibility. Um, AMI is actually it's a really simple measure. It's local, so it's got it's generally specific. It's either a metro area or a county. Um, and it's, it's the midpoint in terms of uh, individual income for a community. So for example, uh, in Seattle, the area median income is $102,500. Mm-hmm. So 50% of all uh, uh, annual income for Seattleites falls under that amount and 50% falls above that amount. It's the mm-hmm. median.
0: It's the median. And um Workforce housing is really uh, designated for when we think about who who would live in workforce housing, um, teachers, uh, police officers, you know, firefighters, nurses, uh, um, service, you know, service providers, service workers. Uh, it's a broad range. And we generally say it's anybody on uh, from about 60% AMI to 120% AMI is yeah. really what workforce housing is designated towards.
1: Yep. 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 Um, I, you know, you and I have been talking and I, uh, I was specifically talking about, um, or sharing about, uh, uh, Santa Clara unified, uh, uh school district in, mm-hmm. uh, in California, um, Santa Clara, uh, school district actually developed, uh, and now peripherally operates, um, what they're calling teacher housing. It was developed on surplus property. Um, And the rents in one of the most pricey markets in the country uh, range from $980 a month to $1,400 a month. So that kind of gives you a sense of, you know, folks are still being asked to contribute rent. Mm -hmm. It's just not you know, at a fair market rent level. So in comparison, uh, the fair market rent in Seattle right now is $1,600, right? Wow. So, so you know, there's, there's a significant benefit to folks. And uh, as I dug into this uh, story about Santa Clara, uh, there was an interesting sidebar noting that uh, the attrition rate amongst teachers uh, who had this housing benefit mm-hmm. was one third of that Uh, Among teachers who didn't have the benefit, so um, not only is it uh, certainly a resource around uh, recruitment of talent, Mm -hmm. and in this case, teachers, Mm -hmm. it's a it's a powerful tool in terms of resisting attrition and uh, retaining uh, quality talent.
0: Right. But there is a difference between workforce housing and employer housing. And I think people confuse that sometimes. So this happens to be where Santa Clarita was, you know, very innovative and and Mm -hmm. probably partnered with some local uh, developers or somebody to build housing that would target seniors. But that doesn't mean that it's an employer provided housing option. So these are kind of different things. And sometimes people get confused when we say Providence is interested in workforce housing. That doesn't necessarily mean we're thinking about building a company town. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> that's right. And, that, you know, there are a lot of hazards that come along with the concept of the company town. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you work for us, you live under our roof. Um, all of these get tied together in ways that are really Potentially uncomfortable. Um, yeah. there are exceptions to that where, uh, so example within Providence Supportive Housing, we have, uh, positions called night managers and those mm-hmm. night managers are live in positions. So, so their apartments are, are part of their compensation and their, their role is fundamental to being in the unit, being in the building on evenings and weekends. So, Mm -hmm. so there are ways that that can work, but um, there's also, you know, sort of fair housing law out there, you know, kind of hovering, hovering in the distance that, that uh, it was certainly fair housing law was developed in, uh, I think it was 1968 Mm -hmm. uh, to resist discrimination within housing, and we have to think about what that means, this notion to discriminate. I mean, obviously, fair housing law was developed to uh, resist sort of redlining uh, and particularly resist people of color uh, Mm -hmm. being precluded um, from from the housing market. But um, what we're describing, choosing an employee of a certain organization, that too is discriminating. You're being discriminating. By definition. So, um, you know, it's not sort of that employer-owned housing idea is is not perfect.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and so workforce housing really is, it's sort of like the community's, what we would hope would be the community's uh, job to solve for. Um, This would be, you know, anybody from multiple different industries, you know, coming coming together and saying there's just not enough housing that is affordable for people that are making a wide range of salaries anywhere from, you know, probably 50 to $100,000 depending on the market that you're in. Um, And so how are we going to solve this? (laughs) And one of the things that uh, we've been looking at uh, as Providence is, and one of the reasons we're interested in solving it, is our own employees uh, cannot find places to live, affordable places to live, Uh, sometimes at all, depending on what market you're in, whether you're in Stewart, Alaska, which I know we're both kind of busy thinking about, or or Seaside, Oregon. Yeah. Or sometimes there are lots of apartments available, but none of them are affordable in this range without creating a rent burden for you or your family.
1: Right, right. And, you know, even in our big markets, you want to talk about Seattle, you want to talk about Los Angeles, you want to talk about, excuse me, Portland, you know, every industry has entry level roles every um, or every industry has roles that are sort of on the lower end of the compensation sort of spectrum right mm-hmm. and increasingly where these markets where um or in these markets where where the cost of housing has uh Escalated so dramatically, we know our own caregivers are getting pushed further and mm-hmm. further and further away from the places that they work in mm-hmm. order to uh, afford a place to live. Mm-hmm. And what we're missing in this calculation is all the time spent traveling, mm-hmm. um, all the time spent in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, all the greenhouse gases that <laughs> yeah. you know, just I mean, the
0: negative correlation that has to your health.
1: That's right. That's right. So, you know, this is, you know, it it, it is this sort of creeping issue. Um, you know, the federal government kind of moved out of this space, mm-hmm. this supply side development space, you know, throughout the course of uh, much of the, the 20th century uh, to the point that they were kind of uh, they moved to a model of incentivizing mm-hmm. um, uh, demand side development. So, you know, we see that in terms of the housing choice program, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, vouchers that you can actually take to um, uh, to the marketplace or uh, the low income okay. housing tax credit program. Mm-hmm. And while those are all fine and well, yep. you know, it's left what we call the missing middle. So yes. it's that that workforce, that 60 to 120% development. We don't need to worry about luxury development. That's covered. All the incentives All are there, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it's this this quote unquote this missing middle um, that's that's getting short shrift and and really sort of skewing the market uh, mm-hmm. and and contributing to the escalation of these these rents and the demand for the for these apartments.
0: Yeah, and and part of the reason it is missing, and uh, this has just been more acute to me as you and I continue to to partner and see, you know, how we can solve some of these uh, tough problems for for Providence and for our uh, markets, is because once you make more than sixty percent AMI you begin to income qualify out of affordable Mm -hmm. housing. And so while, you know, the the federal government has taken the stance to incentivize developers to build affordable housing for people under 60% AMI, once you get above there, there's nothing uh, on the market. And the way that workforce housing has to get developed is by putting together an apartment that will make a preferred return for an investor. So once you're above 60% AMI, you're really looking for people that will bring money to build housing and off of a return, right? People, people invest in real estate because real estate creates returns. Yep. And once you're kind of competing for a return, you know, you could add some marble countertops and (laughs) in unit laundry and a gym and and all of these things. And you can get a better return by just creating a more luxury apartment that rents more.
1: Right. Right. And you know, there's a couple of forces going on here too um, that are all sort of uh, pressing on the market. And and it begins with the idea that this is a market, right? That, that, you know, we don't treat housing as a right, you know, we We treat housing as a phenomena within this sort of neoliberal capitalist environment. Right. And that neoliberal capitalist environment generates winners and losers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, uh, amongst the losers are folks who are kind of in that, that, uh, lower sort of income range that the the the, the individuals who, and and families who who need that workforce uh, to be successful and who we need in the jobs that they're in right, uh, right? <laughs> they keep the wheels on the bus literally um another force that's out there too um you know go back to the federal government a little bit you know um you know the the federal contributions to housing have been sort of shrinking and the focus has been narrowing incrementally now for decades. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we saw sort of beginning in the 80s, 90s, is the proliferation of chronic homelessness and homelessness uh, uh, certainly uh, up and down the West Coast, but across the country and p- one of the narratives that's being uh sort of told today is and and some of the action that's being taken is that we're focusing those dollars uh, into chronic homelessness like mm-hmm. you know we can solve chronic homelessness if we just channel all that all those resources mm-hmm. to that to that use to that purpose, which i I have no I have no argument with meeting the needs of that population, but mm-hmm. not in a zero sum context. So Correct. not at the expense of, of workforce, not yep. at the expense of people elsewhere on that right. sort of low income range. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a problem too. I think we need to resist some of the the, the, the language of zero sum game. Mm -hmm. Um, and not pit one cohort of need against another cohort of need. Right.
0: And when Um, you're chronically underbuilt, that's what will happen, right? right. Because what what, what we're suffering from is a supply of affordable housing. And so if you funnel all the resources towards, you know, one particular uh, subset of the population, it takes away from the others.
1: Right. Right. So um, I we've been engaged in conversations about workforce development. And Mm -hmm. uh, I love that I think both your position and my position has evolved over time. They have. Um, (laughs) And and, and actually our positions have come closer together, I think. They
0: have.
1: (laughs) So what are the conditions where it makes sense for Providence to take a serious look at workforce development in any given community? Especially considering, you know, sort of what we just talked about—the expanse mm-hmm. of need. When does providence have to step out, or when does providence believe it may need to step out and say, "We need to do it"?
0: Yeah, it, it, and I think you you really alluded to it. It's it's when um, we can no longer complete our our core function, which is, you know, providing providing health and providing health care, because we can't recruit we can't retain, we can't have staff that can, you know, work for us and complete these services because there's no place to live. And this is, you know, in in the larger cities, they get pushed out and out and out. But in some of the other markets, there are just zero options. And so Providence has decided that it is going to have to take a leadership position in some of these markets and Mm -hmm. create the solution where the community maybe isn't necessarily coming together to create it. Um, You know, one of the, one of the great things we can do when looking at workforce housing and how to, because what your real goal is, is to keep the overall cost of the development low because once you kind of get up to a certain amount, you still have an investor that's going to want to return on this. So you have to keep the overall cost of development low. So we can look at excess land. We can look at excess buildings. We can look where we have assets that can be repurposed and help lessen the hurdle to be able to at least get land to create a development on. Yeah, um, I would say in a lot of our rural districts and some of our rural hospitals, this is uh, just one of the problems they struggle with every day. Uh, Nurses turn down positions because they start looking at the market and they can't find a place to live. And they say, well, that's not an option for me. And so I'll go over here. And so we're, you know, here trying to run a hospital and trying to recruit people, you know, people to do our core business, but we can't because there's no options uh, in the market to live.
1: The uh, the Urban Land Institute uh, developed a white paper just a, a year or two ago, uh, whereby they summarized some strategies um, around incentivizing workforce development and really getting at this issue. and And you nailed one of those. It it really has to do with repurposing under underutilized uh, real estate and assets. And yep. and that you know and that's not sort of specific. To healthcare, although Not at all. you know, uh, you know, cities, uh, counties, and states are all huge landholders, and yep. and land cost and land value is absolutely critical um, to uh, 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 incentivizing affordable development. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Thinking about those resources through the lens of affordability and housing uh, is so very important. Um, Another tool that uh, cities use uh, is inclusionary zoning. Mm -hmm. So inclusionary zoning is a requirement uh, placed on a developer. Uh, a a housing developer, a market rate housing developer, to um, develop a minimum sort of number of affordable units in any given development. Sort of in some cities, alternatively, the developer can just, you know, uh, either donate land or uh, write a check for development elsewhere. What I love about inclusionary units within a building is that you wind up getting a much more integrated community from the perspective of 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 resources.
0: Economic diversity. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> one of the one of the very many uh, valuable diversities um, that we talk about. Um, you know, we kicked off today talking about a dedicated housing trust fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's another strategy that um, ULI identified uh, as a as a resource to promote workforce development. Um, we we mentioned that there is a national housing trust fund, and the national mm-hmm. housing trust fund distributes uh, resources to the states that then distribute those further. But states and counties have also developed their own uh, housing trust funds that. Mm-hmm when coupled with the state and the federal resources really begin to make a difference. And we're recognizing that in communities where those trust funds do not exist, uh, workforce development, affordable development becomes that much more challenging. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go ahead, Carrie.
0: There's some other things that, um, uh, you know, local governing agencies can do too. And some of that comes in the form of tax exemption. Um, and so, you know, one of the communities and markets that we're working with, uh, that we shall, uh, remain nameless, uh, doesn't have a tax exemption for affordable housing. And so even when you're trying to clear that debt hurdle, um, you know, you have to then add in all of the taxes onto that. So communities can designate for affordable housing, workforce housing, you know, a tax exemption to incentivize people to build.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um. Urban Land In- Institute also um, uh, recommends uh, taking a hard look at uh, code and revising code as appropriate within the cities. Um, you know, this phenomena really sort of dates back to the middle of the, the 20th century and beforehand and gets dates back to some of those redlining activities yes. that were specifically developed to preclude people of color from participating in the housing markets yes. and one one of the ways uh, one of the ways they did that was to Zone huge stretches of of cities as single family only, um, and then you know certainly local neighborhoods went even further towards their redlining activities. But you know, multifamily is really where where it's at. Apartment buildings is really where it's at in terms of you know uh, ad- ad- assertively and aggressively addressing this uh, workforce housing challenge. And yep. um, and again. Uh, individual cities and counties uh, evaluating and revising code to yes. accommodate more creative development and more yep. integrated development is a great tool.
0: Clustering, cottage clusters, additional dwelling units, um, anything you can do to get more density on a piece of land than just one family, one box, one lot, one house. Yep. Um, exactly.
1: Yep. And I see
0: that we're getting short on time. Yep.
1: Yeah, there's. A, there, we have a question here pertaining to: uh, Would this include a large family option? Uh, for example, for a family of thirteen, um, you know, in my experience, workforce development uh, sometimes includes you know uh, units with multiple bedrooms, but there are typically occupancy standards, and I think realistically, it would be. I would be. Anyone would be hard pressed to identify a workforce unit that could accommodate uh, a family of thirteen. Um, it's possible, but um, you know some of that some of that occupancy criteria is is um, is subject to local jurisdiction. So mm-hmm. it, it's hard to say with certainty. Um, but again, the the model is really focused about. Um, focused on, uh, uh, housing, you know, uh, workforce, Mm -hmm. um, go ahead.
0: Tim, I think maybe next time, one of the things we could talk about is an idea that you and I have been, uh, chatting about, and that would be how to create equity, how to create wealth and equity through, um, apartments, through housing in areas that traditionally were not available to other people.
1: Well, we've already touched on that today. Uh, <laughs> we, we touched on that in our first live event, and I'd be happy to really um, uh, dial in to, to that conversation. Um, I think uh, for anybody who would be interested in that topic, there's a great uh, book out there called The Color of Law. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, It's a great history, a comprehensive history, of how um, American government mm-hmm. and American law precluded people of color from participating in the housing market, and in turn, the re, uh, precluded them from the wealth generation that That's comes right. along with uh, how our housing markets are, how they function today. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that would be a great topic for future conversations.
0: Perfect. Okay. So I am going to read our, uh, you know, kind of our our outgoing statement here about uh, health. Uh, but Tim, as always, like, so good to talk to you all the time. Uh, yep. Just enjoy our conversations about housing and look forward to more. Um, to learn more about our initiatives, programs, services, and the ways to give, or if you're looking for medical care, please visit providence.org. And make sure that you follow us on social media, Providence Health System for LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and Providence on Twitter. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Innovations of Health from Providence. We look forward to continuing this important discussion on the latest in healthcare trends and news in our future episodes. Make sure to listen to future podcasts on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to follow us on social media We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and Instagram. You can find us under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit Providence.org. Thanks for listening.